Welcome to episode 89 of the Never Iron Anything Comics Review Podcast. This week we have a new co-host, a comics creator who knows his anthropomorphic styles, the creator of Beast Hunting Battle Badgers, probably the best title in the world. Yes, it's only Steve Simmons. How you doing, dude? Hi, mate. How's it going? Good. Good. That's, that was well acted as well, because we've been talking for about 10 minutes. But uh, yeah, oh. classic, <laughs> classic Steve Sims acting there. Very good. Classic thespian there. <laughs> <laughs> How you been, mate? You right? Yeah, yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Still been at the uh, drawing board for most of my waking hours, but can't complain, really. <laughs> you were telling me about this. So not only do you draw comics for fun, you also draw for a living as well, basically, don't you? Yeah, yeah, I do all sorts, um, you know, like uh, box top designs, books, storyboards, toy designs, whatever needs to be done, whatever's sort of chucked on my desk, I'll give it a go, do my best. Good stuff, man. <laughs> we'll be getting to the badges later um okay. i'm very fond of badges so yeah and i very much enjoy your book so we'll be talking about that in a bit how are you how are you finding uh, as we speak i think they're about to announce that it's going to be another month aren't they for lockdown how have you found the whole process have you found it something you've managed to create during or have you found it more difficult um i've i've found it more productive in in a certain way in that i would normally commute down to exeter to work in the studio right on on different stuff for dynamo um so i would get up early you know get to the train station get on the train and i I'd, I'd do stuff in my sketchbook and things and plan yeah. other badger bits it's good reading but time as well isn't it being on a train is. i find yeah, yeah yeah really good yeah um but now I kind of get up maybe sort of like half six, seven, and then I'm straight on to my own stuff until half eight, nine o'clock when the, you know, the dynamo clock gets turned on. So I'm able to <laughs> really, really bang out some extra stuff in those wee hours. Yeah. I have to say, I think I'm working harder now because I don't have that, you know, because you go in the office, don't you? Because I'm, yeah. I, have, I have a little office, but it's very close to where I live. And I tend to just, I seem to get, the more I've got to do, the more I get in there earlier and earlier. Where previously yeah. I would have had to drive into the office and you've got to wait for other people to get in, you know, and stuff like that. But I don't know. I think, they, I think they're doing well for, my, for their money out of me at the moment. I've got to tell you. Oh, yeah, yeah. definitely. I think everybody's the same. Yeah. I, I know so many people that just get up and move straight to their desk with their cereal and start working as they wake up, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, and they work to the point where they sort of fall asleep. So it's just <laughs> if you're awake, you're working, which is um, yeah, quite a bit of a, a slog for a lot of people. I've got a feeling one of one of my buddies he had his PhD interview the other day, and I've got a feeling he may have done it full Winnie the Pooh. So he may have gone full <laughs> suit on the top. You know, because <laughs> <Yeah>. he? <laughs> he doesn't have to leave yeah. the house. You oh know? god, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of Zoom calls like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Good. Now, as well as talking about your marvellous book, my friend, you have chosen a book to talk about. Did you want to let the listeners know what it's going to be? Yeah, I have chosen Stan Sakai's Usagi Yojimbo. Oh, dear. Which you've had me... <laughs> I've, I've been a champion of. I know we've talked about this on the ACP before, haven't we? We've, we had a little, we a little, a little yeah, Usagi a five minutes, didn't we, on there? But, uh... Yeah, there's, there's only like 5,000 pages to try and cover. I mean, it's a <laughs> small task. <laughs> Well, we have, we are going to be talking about it generally, but we sort of, you will, you'll probably find later on the episode we will talk about three specific um, issues, which is volume one, which was the Vantagraphics volume, and we're going to talk about issues thirty-four to thirty-six, which is called. Now, get me. Uh, you corrected me earlier. Gen story, 
G-N. Yeah. 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 Genosaki is his full name, but it's just generally known as Gen. So that's why the Good issues stuff. are titled after him. Good stuff, man. We'll do a bit of a dive into it. But um, where did you first and how did you first come across it? Uh, well, being a massive Ninja Turtles fan as a kid, ah, the right. first, time, okay. first time I saw Usagi was on the cartoon and when, when the, the toy came out. Um, but I also collected Ninja Turtles comics as much as I could. But it wasn't until I was probably um, 18 or 19, maybe when I actually had a bit of money and I was able to properly dive into those back issues and start really collecting Turtles, uh, the old Mirage stuff, yeah. that I started to see more and more Usagi. But only as adverts in the Turtles comics. I, I didn't see that many issues of the actual comic itself. Okay. And then when I went to Swansea to do an um, illustration degree, there was a little comic shop in, in town. And in the bargain bin was the first collected Fantagraphic graphic novel of Usagi. It was only like three or four quid. And I've still got it now. It's right yeah. here in front of me. And I just snapped it up and, and flicking through it was like, yeah, this is totally what I hoped it would be. This is yeah. exactly my jam, you know. It's, the cartoon character was fun, like the Turtles cartoon characters are fun, but it's in the original um, independent comic in those in the sort of black and white line art and the, yeah. the stories that the creator wants to tell, that the real heart of it, the character is. It it's just leapt off the page. It is funny, isn't it? Because it's Turtles of in quality. I'm gonna. I hope I don't upset you by saying this. That they've come come and gone a bit in quality over the years, haven't they? Turtles, the Turtles comics. Yeah. But yeah, now yeah. there's a real renaissance. Their stuff's really good at the moment, isn't it? Oh, gosh, yeah. The the new stuff now, um, like some of the, the writers and artists they've got working on it are incredible. I mean, the Ronin so that's just come out has been... Yeah, she's great, yeah. Is it Ronin that's the miniseries? Yeah, last Ronin. Yeah, Amazing. Miniseries, yeah, it's really good. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's leaning more towards that... Um, in a way, almost like that 90s aesthetic of, of your main character just being this really um, gritty, dark knight type character with, with loads of weapons on him, dropping right. down from buildings and taking out loads of characters, like loads of enemies at once. Yeah. Um, so it's sort of, because it's been around for so long, it, like all properties, it goes in in cycles. And I think at the moment we are almost approaching that 90s cycle again. Ah, uh, Okay. You know, I mean, for yeah. some, it's for some, it's it's not so good, but um, yeah, it's you. definitely very popular. That new last Ronin. Well, you series. say that you say like all titles, it goes in cycles. I think probably one of the few exceptions to that, I'd put Savage Dragon that way, but the only other one I would put really is Yasagi, because yeah. it's been sort of consistently brilliant, totally consistent since the inception, yeah. almost, isn't it? I know the cartoon has has developed a little bit over that time, but well, I mean, the, the beauty of it being one creator. Hmm. is you get that consistency you get that consistency of storytelling of character because they know where it's come from and stan definitely knows where he wants it to go you know when he's drawing one issue say he's drawing something at the moment in his head he'll always have the next four or five stories roughly planned out in his head for four months if not four years down the line so you get that brilliant consistency of character whereas with other properties where you have new writers coming on and new artists coming on they want to add something or have their own take on it it does get pulled a little to the left or a little to the right and things waver a bit yeah there's been a couple of strange moments for those that don't know and there probably are people listening to this who have never never read it what is what's the conceit of it steve well usagi yojimbo 
basically revolves around the main character is Miyamati, uh, Miyamato Usagi. And he is a samurai wandering Japan in the early 17th century. And the whole um, tale is set just after the Great Shogun War at the end of Sengoku period, which is like uh, 300 years or whatever of um, constant civil war. Yeah. So samurais were traditionally would fight for a lord um, and uh, would would have a sort of purpose. And now a lot of them don't have that purpose because their lord has been killed or because of the shogun's peace has meant that there isn't as much of a call for what they do. Yeah. So th- some of them would turn to banditry. Some of them would um, uh, turn a little bit against their code of honor and, and go work for a rival lord or someone like Usagi, the main character. He sticks to his code of honor. He may have lost his lord, but um, he's going to wander the land um, trying to stick to what he thinks is right. Yeah, and, uh, there's that. There's that real code. I mean, everyone thinks, "Oh, funny animal book," don't they? Do you know what I mean? Yes. But it's yeah, it's the um, ethics and morals and codes of the samurai, just with funny animals. You know, the, he's he may be a rabbit, but he's pretty fucking hard. You know, he's, yeah. he's the toughest yeah. character, isn't he? His mates are fucking rhino. Yeah. You know, it's like <laughs> there's a various cats and stuff like that. And rather, so they're in an they're in a world where everything is anthropomorphized, apart yeah. from they obviously are in in a place that doesn't have cats and dogs, you know, as pets. So they have like little dinosaurs, don't they, that run around? Yeah, the little Tokage. That's it. Uh, I was trying lizards. to think of the name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like uh, Stan always said, because you've got these anthropomorphic characters, you don't have small rats or cats or things. So he yeah. came up with them to replace that, really. Yeah. And they're great. They're full of character and stuff like that, aren't they? They sort of, they, they in, the, in the story we talk about, they actually, they're actually quite ferocious. In one we'll talk about later as well, aren't they? Yeah, they are. They're they're, they're, they're those like little cute characters, which one on its own may come along and sort of Beg nibble some your food, or yeah, but yeah, yeah. Then you turn around and realize there's fifteen of them, and they all start to growl, and then you realize you're you're outnumbered, and you've got them hanging off your arm and your ear as they're all trying to gnaw you to death, kind of thing. So, but that, <laughs> yeah. The thing with Usagi's world is is a lot of it from the outside. You look at it and it looks like funny characters and it looks cartoonish and it looks light um, and almost silly because it's animals. But in those pages, it, it's all the yeah. history, the cultures, the details of samurai culture, um, the good side, the bad sides of trying to live within the Bushido code, you know, a, a life of honor. Yeah. Um, it's all in there you know he stan researches stuff to such a crazy degree yeah. that you learn so much from from reading them he uh, there's um i've sent you a couple of we've been chatting about it backwards and forwards i sent you a video this morning where he talked about being told off for wrongly describing a game that um usagi yeah, plays that's right that's, go yeah that's it and it's called something goku or something it's called something like that and he actually goes away and researches it so much that if you knew that game, you would know that the 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 pieces on the board were set out in exactly the same way as a famous match from the period. Yeah, yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, that's my research. Yeah. You know, 
Yeah, I mean, he does whole stories revolving around um, like the making of soy sauce or <laughs> he does, um, yeah. seaweed. Japanese, yeah, yeah, yeah. Japanese kites for the kite festival. Yes, and that's one of my favourite ones. Yeah, four or five pages would just be the kite maker, you know, going over how they laboriously, you know, like strip down the wood and then um, spread out the uh, canvas of the kite and things like that. And you'd think, God, oh, that that must be so boring. But you you read it and it's just so incredibly entertaining and, and it really is. yeah that's and the thing it's more it is more kurosawa than it is bugs bunny anyone who looks at oh, it thinks yeah. oh god you know what's it going to be like the let's yeah. let's just give a little history of it so it's first published in 1984 so it's getting on look at the, the amount of time like you say miyamoto yeah. yasagi is his proper name the character was partially based on miyamoto musashi um, a japanese warrior stroke philosopher he became a sort of teacher a writer um, and a founder of a school out there. He's, he's famous for a book called The Book of Five Rings, which I think is used in business. Is one of these sort of, you know, it's a bit like the art of war kind of thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, the comic is based, as you say, in the Edo period. Um, there's a little bit of Kurosawa's Yojimbo in him. Um, there's some. There's actually a character who's based on Zato Ochi, um, who's a pig yes. with a full nose. That is great. Um, there's, um, you, we even get, is it, it's not Lone Wolf and Cub. It's something else they're called, aren't they? Oh, he changed it to Lone Goat and Kid. That's it. <laughs> yeah, they're great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But there's a little bit of that in it as well. There's um, an awful lot of folklore and myths and legends. So there are, on occasion, some supernatural elements to it, aren't there, as well? Yeah, those are some of my favourites. When yeah. he starts to bring in the, the yokai and the yurai and the hibakamono and things like all these old Japanese um, supernatural elements and things because I mean, they are so deeply woven into japanese culture yeah, yeah that when when they when they start to pop up you might see little hints in panels of a um a certain say a female character who's hiding her face and has got no features on her face in the background yeah and it sort of goes shadowy and you can really start to pick out it's like oh there's a rakurakubi over there or there's a fox fire you can see it yeah. you know flaming away in the background and then of course he will get attacked by it and it's it's just so so heard, cool i love all that ghosts and stuff oh, me too i heard stan talk about it and he says for, and, and i think this kind of counts to britain as well he said it's quite a small country japan in relation to you know maybe china and other places but it's got it's so rich in this folklore you know yeah they were so yeah, ahead yeah. of so many other places in the world in creating you know in an artistic sort of freedom that they had and the, the, there's so there's a richness there where he could keep going for thousands of issues let's face it you know just with what he's he got could. there yeah what's really really interesting as well is there's so much about japanese culture that is about respect and yeah. um, and with their their ghosts it's a lot of the time it's not just about respecting other people but it's actually about respecting physical items so if you don't respect um, say a kettle or a lampshade or something like that then over time it builds up negative energy and it yeah. it becomes a monster it comes alive and it will you know <laughs> hop away or it will it will start to attack you or things like that i heard him talking about this saying you know, when he was in japan he says there's very little there's very few second hand shops because nobody yeah. throws away pots and pans or anything you know then think that you know they keep them you know because yeah, they make yeah, the most right. out of them yeah it's incredible yeah yeah <laughs> the, um, let's go through a little bit of the history. So his first appearance, Usagi, was in uh, Albedo Anthropomorphics, issue two, um, right. which was published in 1984. Uh, he then went over to Fantagraphics and was a backup story in Critters. Um, I've got a couple of issues of Critters. Have you ever got the singles through for that? Uh, I, I haven't got... I've got uh, 
three single issues of Usagi, but other than that, I've just collected the. Uh, okay. Um, yeah. But I think that the first Fantagraphics book one, I think that collects a lot of the short stories from the Critters. Oh, okay. Series. Yeah. yeah I get it's you. Am- it's amazing to look at the um, the style of his drawing. It's not completely different, but the line art and the way that he puts in his blacks and the attention he gives to um, anatomy on these characters. Yeah. He's definitely approaching it in a in a different way. Okay. Um, especially when it comes to gore as well. Right, yeah, there's um he uses iconography. Now, I suppose the big question here is, is it a manga? I see it as separate but with some of the some of the you know, you know, there's some little indications you get when someone's stressed there's a little bead of sweat on a in a manga yeah. character. In in this when he kills someone, not always, but sometimes a little skull appears above their heads, doesn't it? You know. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I think well, with the early ones, if you look yeah. at say the first couple of stories, there's there's uh, one story where he's protecting Lord Noriyuku, which is the um young lord of the Geishu province. Is he he's the fight- is he the panda? Yeah, the yeah. young panda. Yeah. He's fighting ninjas on a bridge. <laughs> and whereas um in the in the later comics um, he would run past and swish his sword and they would all go irk and the little um, skull and crossbones would come out over yeah. their head. Whereas in this one, there's four panels vertically going down the page. It, they are the whole page. And it's him just bringing his sword across the middle of these ninjas. And there's proper like black airbrush uh, ink okay. to show that they have just lost all their in- insides everywhere. And it's um, <laughs> when you look back and you're like, oh, okay, that's where he started. You can see why he um, moved towards the little skull and crossbones because the amount of people that Usagi takes out yeah. in the later stories, that it would just be black ink He, on he, he puts the Punisher to shame with his death count, doesn't he? Across yeah. the series, there's hundreds of people he's killed, thousands. The um, So he, he was originally at Fantagraphics where he had his own series. First, The first issue of his solo was Usagi Jimbo Summer Special and then he went into his ongoing um, and then he moved over to Mirage, which is obviously the home of the Turtles and the yeah. creators of the Turtles. That was their their home. And he stayed there for a while. But what happened was they decided at some point not that they were going to stop making comics, I think. Um, they decided to stop producing singles and all that sort of thing. And he was given, I think, like a year or six months, quite a long time, to say, to find a new home for it. And in his own words, he sent out seven letters to publishers offering Yusagi to them as a company and he said he got 11 back except him. That's, crazy, <laughs> that's genius yeah. yeah mad he's a, i mean who <laughs> wouldn't want it you know um yeah it was obviously it was according to him it was originally meant to be humans but in when he was doodling in one session once he drew the ears with the top knot and he just became sort of he thought this is brilliant. This is the way we're going to go with this. You know, I'm going to have these ears. So the ears. I always think. I always find, think this is probably quite uncomfortable for a rabbit. But then again, it's probably quite uncomfortable for a human having all that yeah. hair in a top knot. And he's got his ears sort of tied into a top knot, which makes it an interesting. You must have tried to draw him a lot, have you? Usagi. Yeah, I've I've drawn him um, quite a few times in my in my sketchbook over the years. Yeah. Uh, sort of trying to copy Stan's style and then over uh, over time just drawing him in my own way. Uh, but that that the way that the, the ears are tied together and it flying up and falling back is such a brilliant... Yeah, they sort of flop over midway, don't yeah, they, which is quite cool. It's an element of that character because it really adds to the, the movement and the drama. Yeah. You know, it's anything like sort of a, a cloak or anything that you can trail from a character like the uh, Ninja Turtles um, headband. 
yeah it's very that's true. like that yeah you know, it can just just really add some extra cool style yeah and to the character and the story goes he stayed at mirage for a while and then he went to dark horse i think the longest run of comics he's had so far has been at dark horse i think he stayed yeah. there for a long time it's about 160 issues, I think. Which is, man, how good is that? Issues? Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, and whilst there, there was a few spin-offs, which we're going to talk about in a minute, but since, <clears throat> I'm going to say maybe two years, maybe a bit longer, he's now been at IDW. Um, yeah. And the IDW are putting him out as colour, and they are recolouring the early issues. So they've got kind of two parallel series. One is the current Yusagi, and one sort of classic Yusagi, I think. Yeah. yeah. What's yeah, your right. opinion? Now, this is the question I sent you. What's your opinion, black and white versus colour? How do you feel? Then there's different versions of colour, aren't there? Because there's a, there's a few watercolour things he does. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, I I love black and white comics. Always have. Yeah, me um, too, man. So I was attracted to it originally because it was in black and white. But I'd also seen some of the coloured issues when he was with Mirage. Yeah, so, so there were I, a few back then as well, weren't there? That's right, yeah. So when they started to do the colour of IDW, I wasn't completely, you know, like, oh, you know, this is sacrilege or anything. Um, But I I did think I was a bit of a shame that it's not being produced in black and white with a colour option as well. Okay, interesting. Special edition type thing. So for the the, uh, the listeners, it's Tom Luth who does the majority of the colouring now. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, he does an incredible, incredible good job. Yeah, yeah. But... Saying that, I've I blasted through those last two IDW books, and the, the colouring's so good that at the end of it, I'm, I'm like, it, it's still Usagi. Yeah. It still feels like Usagi. Um, Stan hasn't changed the way he's drawn because yeah. uh, because it's in colour. He still draws just the way that he draws. Yeah. Um, and the colour is applied on top, and it looks absolutely fine. So, I yeah, um, I'll admit to not being sure. I think I don't know whether it was on the episode with you or not, but I talked about Usagi. Uh, when it first went to um, IDW and first started getting coloured, and I think it was Vince, I think Vince had heard that there was a there was a little bit of an uh, objection by fans about the colour, and I said, I'm not sure. I still love the black and white, but yeah, I I like them both now, man. I think I love the blue of Yasagi's. I don't know what you call it, jacket. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's, yeah. it's it's just so eye catching. I just and the blue and the white combo thing works so well for me. Yeah, you know? yeah. It is really good. I, I think also I'd seen um, in the yokai hardback that Stan did a short graphic novel based around the supernatural characters. Right. He That was full coloured by Stan. He did that all with um, sort of gouache or, or watercolour. Yeah, he, he's done quite a few watercolour things, hasn't he? Um, and I think like, I really saw the strength of the character coloured in that. Right. But, I mean, ideally... If they're going to colour it, if they could do it all like that, it would be brilliant. But obviously, that's a lot more. We'd get a comic every six him. months that way, wouldn't we? I reckon. Yeah, even yeah, he said that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, he did this one in in two months, I think, and that's sixty pages full colour. <laughs> yeah. So there are loads of videos. Fast. Yeah, there are loads of videos where it's so natural to him drawing, isn't it? I watched. I've watched a couple yeah. today of my lunch break. One of which I sent you. The one you know with the on the. The he's sort of projecting it whilst doing a talk, and it's just instinctual and natural, and he's so good at it. The only thing I will say to him: Why do you do those dots, man? They must drive you up the wall. <laughs> but they do work somehow, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. When you're designing a character, maybe stay away from an element like a hundred and something dots every time you draw. <laughs> so his jacket is kind of speckled dots, isn't it? You know. Yeah. Um, 
the the little badge um, I, I, apologies to any japanese listeners i don't know what it technically is but sort of almost like a coat of arms is what we call it here um is based on a rabbit's foot i didn't realize that until That's i heard him right. say that. yeah yeah yes yeah. yeah, it's, it's um yeah based around the paw print of a rabbit which is really cool <laughs> i think i think gens is a, a radish or, or oh I is think, it okay yeah well, he's got a couple of radishes on his i uh, can't can't totally remember why it's probably something to do with food gen's all just about getting getting money and nicking stuff and, yeah and, yeah yeah and, and uh, screwing usagi out of money and things like that <laughs> yeah. well let's talk back. a little bit about the uh, the about the extra characters starting with him so gen is there's a buddy cop element to the two of them isn't there that's sort of quite yeah. obvious um usagi's a bit of a, he's got a bit of a stick up his ass most of the time <laughs> um and gen is a bit more sort of a bit of a, a rascal isn't he you know yeah he's uh gen gen's kind of he's seen what the samurai life is and he's like screw that it's not for me um <laughs> it, it's too too rigid um like you say you've you got to put a stick up your eyes for that he, he's more about himself and um just getting some cash and and uh just sort of yeah doing his own thing really yeah we'll talk about him in a bit but there's some of the other ones i wanted to bring up was kitsune who's a she's a fox there's a bit of flirtatious contact between her and uh yasagi but she's also a thief as well so behind everyone's back yeah. she's nicking her wallets and you know yeah you get that with most of the the main female characters there's a bit of a flirt <laughs> yeah. he's a bit of a ladies man but he <laughs> he never gets the girl there's a um a kind of a theme with japanese samurai movies where the main um samurai character will never get the girl it's always a bit bittersweet uh, okay. at the end yeah has to do a sort of littlest hobo thing and wander off into the sunset and someone else gets the girl but it's, that's not his you know his path kind of thing i found on um, youtube some of the um miyamoto musashi um movies um and have had them on in the background they're incredible films some of them aren't they yeah there's so many good old um samurai movies like i've got loads of them in a folder somewhere from the old zatoichi movies yeah. and especially the lone wolf and cub ones oh baby car baby car hades or is that That's one i love right. that film yep. shogun assassin yep. was the one i remember seeing first because that was kind of yeah. the four movies put or two of the movies put together first, wasn't it first two, yeah first two sort of uh, edited together and i think they made a really good snappy film actually because yeah um samurai movies if you like them then they are wicked but if you're if you're not a, a big fan they can sometimes move very slowly and they can sometimes yeah. drag a bit so what they basically did was cut out the draggy bits and just aim towards the action and, and the blood and, and just made a really good <laughs> when anyone gets their head really. when anyone gets their head chopped off the blood goes vertically up about 100 yeah. feet doesn't it you know it's like that yeah, yeah. Well, funny enough, you're right, though. There's For every Shogun assassin, there's a... And as much as I love it, there's a hidden fortress or, you know, a, yeah. ra a Rashomon or something like that, which are a bit more sort of cerebral and slow and atmospheric. But, I mean, I, I like you, man. I love I love watching them. I mean, I saw Ray... Um, that's the, well, I'm, just, I'm blanking. That's the Akira Kurosawa movie, isn't it? Um, yeah. Uh, I saw that at the cinema and I was utterly obsessed with that, those movies for years. Yeah, yeah, absolutely brilliant. One, one I really like... I, I, forgotten the name now but the one that's based on macbeth and oh um um throne of blood uh yeah is it throne of blood or is it i can't remember the name but it's it's yeah. really just awesome it's so yeah. good it, it's just so sort of um stark and bleak but 
totally <laughs> enthralling at the same time. Yeah, and it's so weird to watch. I mean, I remember watching that, you know, in my early 20s. I, I didn't really have the concept of sort of kabuki theatre and stuff like that. But, and everyone's wearing this, like, really strange makeup in it in black and white. And you're like, well, what is that? You know, yeah. who is this mad woman licking blood? And, That's you know, it's right. like, yeah, oh, my yeah. God. It. Yeah, it is throwing a blood, isn't it? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's incredible. I- I well, can speak- usually remember um, the title of any movie until somebody asked me what yeah, it is. Exactly. And then it just yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. But the, speaking of um, Toshiro Mifune, who appears in, obviously, he appears in Yojimbo, but he appears in a couple of the Miyamati Masashi films and obviously a lot of the Kurosawa stuff. He is, um, I think, isn't one of the bosses, his old boss is called Mifune, Lord Mifune, is that right? That's right, yeah, yeah. Lord Mifune, yeah, that's um, Usagi's lord that he was fighting. He's he was his bodyguard yeah. and they went into a big battle on the Adacha Hagara plane against um, a rival Lord. But uh, one of the generals betrayed um, Lord Mifune. And so he fell from his horse and Usagi rather than have his Lord be um, embarrassed or his corpse desecrated by the enemy. He takes his Lord's head and, and rides off to bury it. So he won't be dishonored. Wow. Look at that. Who says comics are for kids, eh? Funny animal comics for kids. <laughs> yeah, well, and in, in the whole series, like the amount of of emotion and and heartbreak and yeah. romance, and it's just fantastic. Yeah, I mean, he's a lonely figure in many. I mean, I always think this is the way in my head, and this probably isn't the case. This is how Yosagi comics should or often do run: is where he's on the road, he meets something, something happens, he goes to the local town, solves the problem, and then he walks out of the town again at the end. So it is yeah. it is that um, Yojimbo Sanjuro kind of vibe, yeah. isn't it? You know? Yeah, definitely. Um, and and in amongst that, you will get so much backstory history yeah. culture detail you know it, it's there's so much in there in such a simple premise yeah yeah definitely uh, a couple of the other characters i want to mention was inspector ishida who's in it he's been yeah. in it recently actually so he's kind of an older dude who's a detective but he's kind of like the columbo of yusagi's world isn't he yeah, yeah he's based on um i think it's a guy called uh changapan who was a, right. a police policeman in honolulu Oh wow! Um, okay, which is um, he lives in Hawaii, doesn't he? Is that right? I think uh, he Stan. Stan was born in Japan, moved to Hawaii when he was younger, so he That's sort of right. grew up yeah. in Hawaii, and then eventually moved to LA um, yep. as an adult. But yeah, the that Changapang guy, I think he's the character that um, Charlie Chan was based on as oh, well. Okay, all right. So um, yeah, Inspector Ishida's wicked there's a whole volume which is just um older saggy following the inspector around trying to solve yeah murders, i love all that stuff samurai man. murder mysteries and things yeah that is great and a couple of the other ones is um <clears throat> lord um hikiji and he's an actual human isn't he which is i know a- yeah he's the only human character that i've come across <laughs> in all yeah. of the pages and he only appears once from as far as i know which yes that's what way, i read way yeah back at the very start he gets um uh old um councilman Haibi, i think that's how it's pronounced who is a giant snake that's right yeah um, he's a sort of second in command to Hikiji, isn't he is yeah right? yeah yeah which is such a great character because he's still got the um like the the samurai what you call like a sort of jacket or um kimono whatever it's known as with 
with the arm sleeves, but just no arms coming out. So it's, <laughs> yeah, it's just brilliant. strapped around yeah. his snake form. <laughs> yeah, that's great. And the other one was um, Murakami Genosuke, who is a rhino. And I'm guessing he was named after Haruki Murakami, was he? I'm not. I'm... I I would guess so. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of Haruki Murakami as well. He's great. You know, he's one of those sort of he's one of those sort of Japanese writers who's hit big here, isn't he? And he's sort of consistently putting books out. Yeah, he's he's worth a read. Um, let's have a little chat about Stan, and then we're going to go into the spin-offs, and then we're going to finally because I know look at us, we've been talking half an hour already, and that was the plan. But the um, <laughs> Stan Sakai, born the 25th of May 1953, 68 years old and still kicking. Like you say, born Kyoto in Japan, um, but grew up in Hawaii. Now lives in California. Uh, began as a letterer, which is something he's won a lot of awards for as well, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean, he's got awards coming out of his arse. Really he's man, isn't got he? so many. But yeah. yeah, he got awards for his lettering. Um, I think he got those even before his comics and things. But I he, think he did that. Was he was he worked on Grew the Wanderer, didn't he, for Sergio? Yeah, and Mark and, Evania. Um, yeah. And, and he did Spider-Man for Marvel. Oh, right. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Spider-Man for a bit. And um, he wanted to get into uh, doing comic art as well. But I think at the time it was very hard for people to get into the comics industry because it was so New York central. Yeah. And he wasn't interested the... in that. He said that, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then I think it was Jack Kirby moved from New York out to um, the West Coast and he might have even moved to L.A., and um, other artists started to yeah. follow up. Uh, Jack more. led the way and, and proved that you could, you know, FedEx, which is still what Stan does now. He still FedExes pages, that, doesn't he? I yeah. know. I can't believe that. The idea of putting a whole, <laughs> God, you know, no. say 30 pages worth of art in, in the post. I'm terrified to put, you know, five or six comics, Battle Badger comics in the post, thinking they might Yeah, yeah you sent me some recently. You're like, did they arrive yet? I said, oh, yeah, they arrived today. Yeah, yeah, and I'm like that as well with people. I'm mortified if things don't arrive. And that's like a just an issue of a comic, my shitty comic, yeah. I know what you mean. <laughs> but you're right, though. He's won Inkpots, Harvey's, Eisner's. He won the National Cartoonists Award. Um, you name it, he's won it pretty much. Um, he has worked for other people. Like we say, he's worked on Sergio Aragones and Mark Evanier's Grew the Wanderer. But he did do yeah. 47 Ronin with Mike Richardson, who is the publisher, I think, still at Dark Horse. Um yeah, he's he's done um, little guest appearances in lots of other um, titles as well. He did a Hulk story for Marvel. Oh, okay. All oh, right. I didn't yeah, know that. where yeah. it was a sort of Elseworld um, where Hulk was back in in um, samurai feudal Japan. So you've got this massive Hulk in samurai armor taking on whole armies by himself. Oh, I need to get this. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. yeah. Um, really cool. I've looked at, I looked up his art from a watercolor piece. You're going to pay about $600. Um, yeah. Cover, you're going to pay about three and a half K in dollars. I know. Uh, <laughs> you probably got a couple. Um, he, he I've, does... got a, I've got a, a commission. I've have you? What have you got? I've got an Asagi stood on a hill with a Tokage and his, his ears are flapping in the wind. Nice. Um, I got that from him. Oh, it must be maybe seven or eight years ago now. Um, he came over to do the Cardiff, one of the Cardiff conventions. Wow, I didn't know that. And, oh, okay. and I was like, right, that's it. I'm there. Whatever, whatever's <laughs> happening, I'm there. So I sent him a, an email saying, I, I know you're coming over. Can I commission something and pick it up from you there? And he said, yeah, sure. So went along and met him and got the sketch and gave him a couple of battle badger books and had a chat and all that he was sitting next to the everington brothers oh, nice. enough, so yeah, yeah. have a chat with them as well and 
Yeah, what was he like? He's, he seems like literally the nicest person in comics. He is. Yeah, he yeah. is. He's exactly exactly like, you know, when you see him in interviews and things, he's not putting on that niceness as an actor or anything. He's just... That's great, man. Yeah. He's totally, like, totally interested in, in what you're up to and how you work and asks as many questions of you as, as you do of him, really. I love that, man. I love that. There's, um, I think I sent you a message today saying he, sh- he should be the industry standard of how people should act. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think in the industry, I think everybody knows and recognizes he should be how people act yeah, yeah. not to say they do but exactly know. yeah yeah <laughs> well let's talk a little bit about the spin-off so there's been a number um some some really surprising stuff um the one um that we're probably all going to be talking about quite soon is the um netflix series that's now uh, currently in production with gomon animation it's called Samurai Rabbit, the Usagi Chronicles. As I understand it, it's set in the future. Is that still the case? Do you know? Yeah, I think it's set. Um, so Usagi himself, I think, will be turning up, but as an older version of okay, the character. Right. So it will be like the next generation down. So I think it will aim for a slightly younger audience, yeah. which, which really um, is sensible because kids now, once you get past, say, six or video games they're video games you know they still have some interest in a cartoon if it was on but they don't go seeking it out but yeah that that age group um that much younger age group that where, where they leveled it with the last nickelodeon ninja turtles cgi cartoon yeah. that was spot on you know it was okay that that was so clever and well made with loads of um nods and winks to not just the mirage stuff but then going through the Archie series up into all the different iterations of the the turtles, they knew what they were doing. That, that creative group. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah, so I think I've, I, obviously I've experienced it a little bit with Hilda, and we've had a lot of conversations about Hilda at No Brown. I think what you've got to do, you've got to hit that age group, but you've also got to make it interesting for the parents because there are adults who will follow and buy and promote cartoons. Yeah. You know. Yeah, um, yeah. That, well, I think you go if you look at things like Adventure Time, yeah, Gravity yeah. Falls, um, and there's so much in there that will attract a kid because it, a lot of the time they're so off the wall and and a, a bit risque yeah. that that the kids know that it's almost talking to the older group, even though it's yeah. bright and colourful for the younger. A lot of the gags and a lot of the the dialogue is almost talking to an older, almost like. Um, geeky teens if you know what yeah I, mean. I think there's a lot of that well more than teens these days there's a lot of uh let's say 40 year old men who shouldn't perhaps be so enthusiastic about adventure time i've got to tell you <laughs> you're talking to one <laughs> <laughs> i love all that stuff. oh dear just, okay yeah we'll talk about just... your influences in a minute actually oh that's interesting <laughs> oh good man okay um so some of the other stuff so like you say you've mentioned the teenage mutant ninja turtles he does appear in that a lot because the creators of turtles are his buddies aren't they is that right yeah yeah i think um stan met pete quite early on um, okay. at the conventions was sort of tabled next to him and um also through the uh the cap uh, is it the caps group in la with the comic artist professional society okay um which is i think that was set up by um sergio and mark Avania and another guy basically because so many comic artists work in isolation yeah. It's like, okay, let's do something to get together and do do social things together so we can talk about the industry and talk about our work and stuff like that. Drink. So yeah. um, I think Pete was probably a, a member of that as well. But All right. through um through conventions and, and tabling they got to know each other and Pete basically said, Well, 
would you like Usagi to be in the cartoon and we can get you an action figure of him and all that? And, and Stan was like, uh, yeah, please. That'll be amazing. (laughs) And he says himself that the longevity of Usagi Ojimbo does kind of fall back to that, um, interaction with Pete and Kevin and the Mirage group. There's a lot of, there's two different areas, aren't there? There's a lot of people who say lovely Usagi, like me and you, we read it. And there's a lot of people, I spoke to Johnny Cannon on the phone this morning, I was telling him what I was recording tonight, and he went, I went, oh, we're talking about Usagi. He says, I don't know Usagi. The only time I've ever seen him is in the video game. There was a video right. game in the 90s at some point, I'm guessing. Yeah, there was, I think. There was um, uh, ZX Spectrum or something like that. That's I think. right. Uh, yeah. yeah, there was a Spectrum on, and Commodore scroll along, um, right. sort of basic beat-em-up type game. Um, yeah, so it was licensed <laughs> out, like because the the turtles were such a licensing machine. I think they realised with um, with a property like Usagi, you know, get it out there if you can. And video games at that point, you know, those old um, Spectrum games, just record them onto tape and, yeah. and print out the thing. It was quite an easy thing to do. Yeah, yeah. So get, yeah, I had a I um, I had a ZX eighty one. My mates used to tape me games. You know, yeah. and sometimes they yeah. wouldn't play, you know, because they've just been taped badly or fourth generation <laughs> tape or something. But yeah, I know what you mean. A couple of other places we need to talk about. So Space Usagi, that was a thing. I remember I remember getting laughed yeah. at in a comic shop for asking for Usagi Jimbo Space Usagi once. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, which is um, your, all your feudal lords and um, samurai battles, but with a sort of Star Wars slant, you know, that... Yeah. Those original designs for Stormtroopers and Darth Vader were all based on samurai. Yes, that's true, isn't it? Yeah, very much is, yeah. yeah. Ralph McQuarrie. So it's sort of leaning into that side of stuff. And well, funny uh, you mention that, Hidden Fortress is considered quite a, quite an influence, isn't it? As yeah, well. it is. Yeah, yeah. 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 I've, I've got my... I've actually got a, a nice signed with a little sketch in hardcover of that one. Oh, right, okay. Oh, Space Usagi. Yeah, it's <laughs> a, a little pride in my collection that one. Oh, nice um a couple of other ones senso which is a more recent one a dark horse one that's right which yeah. was um war of the worlds and also um we get big mech don't we in that one it's <laughs> just the bizarrest place but you know well it's it's a wicked idea of you know what would war of the world be like if that the craft had landed in feudal japan it would have been so amazing you get, yeah you get these these really cool um like sort of a feudal Japanese mechs and, and yeah, um, a giant rabbit mech. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there's a great movie called Time Wars. It's had a diff- couple of different titles, and it's where a load of the, like a tank commando unit from Japan end up back in. Have you ever seen it? I haven't. No, and it sounds it's sounds fucking wicked. amazing. And they get utterly <laughs> slaughtered by the, the samurai because they're just nothing. You know, samurai yeah. are firing down barrels of guns and things like this. You know, it's amazing. Um, the other one I've seen, I don't know if you've seen this one, is um, I saw the stage play of this. I saw the stage play oh, too man. down at the Southwark. That's Theater. where I saw it. That's where I went. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Southwark Playhouse. Thanks to John Freeman who got me a ticket through Down the Tubes. Yeah. Wicked. Yeah. I've got my um, little signed program here in front of me right now. I, I, I thought it was really, really good. I did as well. It was almost in the round, wasn't it? Um, it was, and yeah. they did a when I don't know if they did it when you we might have been at the same one, but when they did it, they did like a little game at the start as the audience were coming in, almost like a play along Japanese game. Yeah, um, that's right. Yeah, where she would sort of, um, is it like holding up two blocks and they had something like that. Images yeah. on? I can tell you, I went on the uh, the 12th of December 2014. Uh-huh. I've I think. got the ticket somewhere, I'll have to let you know. <laughs> 
Yeah, it was yeah. a lovely experience, and it wasn't costumes. You know, it wasn't like heavy costumes. It was kind of um, minimalistic, wasn't it? But just it was sounded and looked so good, and it was so well, there was so in time and specific, and you know, it was so lovely like that. I think you know, they had a proper taiko drummer there, didn't they? That's like, right. Yeah, the the music was basically done by the, the drummer to set the um, the atmosphere and the emotion. And the the outfits, it was your you know your your sort of samurai um, uh, basic samurai sort of jacket and, and pants and things. Yeah. But the the ears and the the face was sort of underplayed, so it didn't have a proper like prosthetic rabbit mouth or anything. It was very that's right, like, yeah. quite lightly done with um, with face paint and things. But the um, the way they projected Stan's line art onto the backdrop. That's right. I forgot floor, about like, that. There was a thunderstorm, and um, yeah, they they took panels from from Stan's pages and just sort of projected them onto the floor and onto the walls and things. So it just it worked so well. I yeah, it was fantastic. That's, that's dedication, though, sir. I mean, do. for me, for me, it was a ten minute walk down the road from my office. For you, it's like a it's like a what a twelve hour round trip. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, a couple of hours on the on the train, and then get a hotel and stay over, and all that sort of stuff. That's but dedication, I, I, sir. Yeah, I always love coming up to London anyway because there's so many. I mean, I from the age of like sort of sixteen or seventeen, I would get on the coach from because I I grew up just outside Bristol, so we'd right. get the coach get on the motorway, and about three hours later, you'd pop out at Marble Arch and make your way along Oxford Street. At a Forbidden Planet, and I mean yeah. Forbidden Planet in London. We had one in Bristol, but Forbidden Planet in London—that was just like whoa, Mecca. And then, <laughs> yeah. then make your way down um, down towards uh, Chinatown, yeah, Gerard Street, and start ferreting around trying to find old like Dragon Ball books and things like that. And yeah, I remember doing that as a as a you know just when I'd started working in London, and I actually had a few quid in my pocket. I'd actually go into Chinatown and try and find you know, Jade Man comics and these, you know, the, the actual originals of them and stuff like that. And yeah. go in the Japanese centre at Piccadilly, which is always a great oh, place. Oh, God, so. yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. But um, it's a shame, though, because we go to Chinatown now, it don't seem to be the same little shops with just it crazy stuff, you no. know, scroll in the corner and things. But I, I suppose it's because you can get it all through the internet now, so there's no need for them to... Yeah, yeah, I know, think you're right. ...sells as much. Well, let's talk a little bit about the the Jen story from um, issues thirty four to thirty six of Volume One from nineteen eighty eight. Um, it's I remember when you sent it to me. You said, "Oh, let's talk about this one." It's not. You said it's not the origin, but it does reveal a lot about the character as, as a sort of as a sidekick of sorts in this issue. Is that right? Yeah, is, yeah, yeah. It's not his first appearance. I mean, he pops up very early on in in some of the critters' short stories. Um, originally when, when Usagi meets him. But it's in this story that you kind of get to understand why he is the way he is. Yeah, yeah. So it's revealed that Gen was the, the son of a general who had lost his his lord to treachery. And um, is that right? So he, he, he does he find out his father was a general? Is that right? Yeah, his, his father was um, general... Oh, gosh, what was it? Uh, general Murakami. Oh, it was Murakami, his, yeah, his yeah. Yeah. Yeah, who who was a um a lord um one of the the lords underneath Lady Asano and her husband, who was the uh, sort of main ruler of the area. So when um Lady Asano's husband was betrayed by one of the lords and um stabbed in the back, she was then basically left destitute 
Uh, yeah. She didn't have any heirs, so her, all the valuable items of the household were given to another um, one of the, the followers of the shogun. So she's left with nothing, basically. Yeah. Um, hope, hoping that one of the um, other lords that were loyal to her husband would seek out this betrayer, Lord Oda, and um, kill him, basically. And um, that was Gen's father, that, yeah. that general. And so we we learn through the story the reason why Gen doesn't have as much respect for the samurai code, the reason why he's got this big chip on his shoulder is because in his dedication to carry out his um, his uh, sort of mission of vengeance, Gen's father drags Gen as a child and his mother across the country, basically treating them like dirt and allowing yeah. them to just uh, live a destitute vagabond life in order for him to seek down this person to kill. And so uh, not only is it again like, you know, is this worth it that what you're doing to, to poor old mum when, when the mother dies and um, he grows up to be a teenager, he's like, you know, screw this dad. I, I can't live this way. I'm off. You know, this is crazy. Yeah. And, um, he, he makes his own, own way um, off into, you know, off into the wilds. And um, he, he helps a lady who seems to have fallen over or been attacked. Uh, so he's, you know, he's a good-natured yeah. young guy. So he goes to help this lady, but it turns out it's a trick. There, she's a robber, and she's got a guy hiding in the hedges to jump out and um, try and take him down. And when he slays them, because his father, um, along the road when he was dragging his family on his sort of mission, he also trained Gen with the sword. So yeah. Gen can handle himself. And he, he takes out these robbers who have attacked him. And the uh, the local, I think it's the woodcutter. There's two characters that pop up in Usagi <laughs> a lot. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the man and wife monkey woodcutters that are always sort of running along the road trying to deliver. There's almost wood. a bit of exposition we get out of them every so it often. It is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they, they come up to him and say, oh, thank God you, you took out those robbers. They've been causing a problem for ages. There'll be a reward for you. So Gen's like, hmm, this this bounty hunter, like that's <laughs> yeah. that's the way to do it. Yeah. And so he basically travels the the land trying to collect bounty on people, um, to fill his his pockets basically. So when this um, when Usagi runs into Lady Usano, who has been left destitute because of the death of her husband and the whole household falling into um, disrepute, he turns to Gen and is basically like, how can you? How can you do that? You know, yeah. how can you leave her? She she knows you're the general's son. You know, you should you should carry out the uh, the mission of vengeance yourself. And he's like, bah, no, it's nothing to do with me. Not- yeah, and Utagi is kind of confused about the the code because his code tells him. You know, it's even just his conscience tells him he's got to help these people, but Gen doesn't. Um, and that's a lovely sequence where Yusagi goes into the encampment. And he tries to tries to speak to him, doesn't he? To the to to Oda, is it Oda? Yes. Yeah. And he says, yeah, "No." He, he says, "I'm not here to fight. Look, my hilt is tied." That's, that's a really right. nice little bit, yeah, bit yeah. of detail there, you know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the whole um, again the detail, the the way that Usagi sat and the way that he um, he has this sort of um, his honor towards this person who he knows is. Yeah. He's a, a right wrong one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, in, in all rights, he should just get his sword out and take his head off. But he, he knows the way to do it, the honour, the code and everything. And, um, 
yeah, he's he's in the Lord's house, surrounded by all the Lord's men, and like like always happens. He gets captured. Said, yeah, yeah. Basically yeah. says, "Get him, <laughs> let's get him." And poor old uh, poor old Usagi gets captured. There's, and, um, there's a couple of my highlights for this book and they, for this story, and they they all contain Gen. The first one being when he's fighting because so right at the start before we've sort of talked about it, he's on the road and um, there's a, a brigand who has trained the little lizards to like as a, like an attack team of animals. That's right. Yeah. And they attack him, and um, he's he's losing against this band of like this sort of team of lizards that are attacking him, even though he's like cutting their heads off left, right, and centre. There's like you know decapitated yeah. lizard heads flying all over the place, but it's Usagi who discovers him, and that's kind of a dynamic that they have where they just are resigned to the fact that they will team up eventually together you know every so often yeah but yeah, they don't they, really plan to be together they're always parting ways and then discovering each other some out of the way aren't they you know yeah they always run into each other um down the road and and there's this sort of like a little bit of a, a begrudging like oh come on then if you're coming this way you know yeah as long as you don't swindle me out of money again and again will always <laughs> yeah. he always manages always it manages he always just managed to get Yusagi to pay for dinner at least yeah you know it's that sort Which of thing when he gets captured, the only motivation for Gen to go and save Usagi is because Usagi's got the money to pay all the bills. So he's like, if I don't go and save him, yeah. then I'll have to try and pay for it myself. And there's a brilliant sequence where he's he's doing the old stealth thing, trying to get into the um, into the Lord's um, home base, that sort of uh, Japanese walls with the nice yeah. peaked roofs. So ninja style, he's trying to creep up onto the roof. Of course, he's a rhino, so he just ends up <laughs> stumbling and falling down into the garden and alerting all the guards. And and the best bit of that is he keeps complimenting himself. He talks yeah. to himself throughout it, telling him how well he's doing. You know? Everything Gan does is brilliant because he, <laughs> he just tells himself, yeah, you're the best. This is fine. You know exactly what you're doing. And he's stumbling through everything. Yeah, but he he's got that like natural skill with the swords. When when it comes down to it, you know he can look after himself. But most of the time he's tripping over stuff, or he's, you know, it's, it, there's a bit of luck involved. Or... Yeah, yeah, there is. It's, it is wonderful, and they manage to combine good story. You know, often quite, with quite a few complex characters like a murder mystery, but they with honor, with action. But also, a lot of these stories are quite touching, aren't they? You know, there's a there's always um, a maybe in this you get the redemptive arc, don't you? For Gen, there's yeah, definitely. Well, again, like we were saying about um, him sort of bumbling through or having a bit of luck, even though he doesn't have the desire to carry out his dad's mission of vengeance. Yeah, he ultimately it ends up happening anyway there's almost like a fate to a lot of the usagi stories that people's stories are written and you are just walking along the road you know whether you've got peasants who are resigned to it because they're poor or you've got someone like um usagi who is a samurai so that is his lot in life you yeah know, it's, yeah there's a bit of a melancholy of usagi's just watching the world turn and things unfold and it's like well this is just yeah. the way things are you know but we we should try and live by what's right which is when he steps in which is so, reflective on the the history of this book you know the misashi book i i downloaded well i haven't downloaded it and i'll tell you why i bought on the um um uh, audible.com i bought the musashi book the other day um and then when i went to download it i noticed it's 53 hours long wow fucking hell <laughs> <laughs> yes and and these things are sagas aren't they they you get yeah. that 
with Usagi, you know it's this sort of legendary saga of his life. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it is a, an epic. I mean, epic is used a lot, but yeah. in this is this is actually one hell of an epic, and there's an awful lot of, um, like you say, sort of heartfelt, deep emotion within these characters and yeah. within their lives and what unfolds. I mean, like with the, the Gen story, at one point he loses his swords where he's trying to go and rescue lady usana who's been captured yeah um, him and usagi like right we will we will go and do this and he ends up picking up some new swords and um the uh evil evil lord oda ends up getting killed and then gen looks down and realizes that the swords that he's picked up he recognized and they're his father's swords yeah and he realizes that he has carried out his father's wish even even though he didn't really set out to do it he realized he's done it yeah it's quite um, a moment isn't it yeah and there's really that is. bit earlier in the story where he says like the only time he cried uh, as a youngster was when his mother died and then at the very end when he finds out he's got his father's swords and he's carried it out there's this sort of last panel of when when usagi wanders off of just sort of again looking up into the clouds and this little tear coming down and yeah. it's Again, it's a, a simple sort of cartoony line drawing, and it, and it shouldn't get you, but it does. Yeah. It's, it's masterful the way he tells his story. The only thing that's comparable to to me is Cerebus, really. Yes. And Cerebus is yeah. a quite quite simple design for a character. You know, he's just got that waistcoat, you know, and um, but they managed to emote so much through him. It's perhaps yeah, a little I, a little bit more cynical than Yasagi, but there's there is comparisons <laughs> to be made, you know. Also, also even though. Usagi deals with hundreds of years of Japanese history with all these different names. That are, some of them, you know, it's like, how on earth do you pronounce that? And it's so deep and, and yeah. rich. It's still a lot simpler than half of Cerebus. Was, <laughs> yeah, with one issue with Cerebus, yeah. I, yeah. Got, I got about seven books in and I was like, right, I was following it up to this point, but I now he's, right. going for, yeah. he's going for president and there's nods to like the Marx Brothers and... <laughs> Church and uh, State. Ameri- but, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I was it gets, scratching my head. <laughs> mate, I've read, I've, I've read it to the end and I'm not, I haven't got a clue whether I understood it and it's, it gets a lot worse. You get whole issues of it, just two faces talking to each other or staring at each other or picking well, up a bucket. Or, you know, it's just... When it, when it just became pages of A4 text and it was like a, <laughs> yeah. a personal essay on the, the state of... In like the female psyche in eighties America, it's <laughs> yeah. like well, I just want to see a sort of aardvark who's based on Conan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think there's actually genuinely years of it where he's falling on the mo- to the moon or something. You know, there's yeah. literally that, or there's years of him just talking to one person on the moon. You know, but yeah. Anyway, we're we're in a side there. The other thing I think people um, they forget is the ability that Stan has to write great dialogue. And I was particularly yeah. touched by a couple of lines in this. There's a moment at the end after the lady, um, I forget her name now. What's the lady's name? Lady Asano. Yeah, Lady Asano. She dies. And, uh, spoilers, and he says, um, and Gen says, revenge is a strong emotion, Yusagi. It kept her going for 20 years. And Yusagi says, so is on again. An incredible moment. So um, it talks about her, but it also talks about them. And it's a really interesting, in those two lines, you get the dynamic between the two characters brilliantly, I think, you know. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, it just blows my mind, some of his writing. It's incredible. There's the issue that I mentioned to you about um, uh, the the guy who's trying to commit um, seppuku. It's like a, a, okay. a ghost, this samurai. Oh, yeah, that's in that volume, isn't it? The one where you, he calls him back, doesn't he? 
Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. And, and um, what's it? Broken Ritual. That's the one. Yeah. It, it said that story, he, again, Saggy wanders into a town. There's nobody around. It's like a dark, windy night. Um, everybody's shut up in their houses. He wanders into the local inn. Um, and as he's wandering into town, he hears a blood-curdling scream. And he says in, in the inn, oh, he settles down, asks for a drink, and says, what was that wail I heard? And everybody gulps, and a couple of people duck under the table. And it reveals this story of how um, some samurais were in a big battle next to this small little village. And they managed to uh, flee. They were the last survivors. They flee from the battle. They ran into the village, made a last stand, and asked the villagers to help alongside them to fight with them to fight off the enemy. Yeah. But the villagers wouldn't do it. So these samurai were um, eventually surrounded. And rather than be killed by the enemy, they thought they would sit down and kill themselves. But the enemy interrupted them halfway through the ritual and started mocking them. So this, this character, um, this samurai ends up dying halfway through the ritual and it's never completed yeah. so he he appears as a ghost every night to complete this ritual again but it, it never he never has a second to take his head off and so samurai uh, so usagi steps forward in the dead of night and confronts this ghost and it just goes through the whole yeah it's amazing ritual yeah of the um of him you know like let's see if i can find the uh find the page but it's just so uh, emotive and it's and that is a moment that happened in um the character they base it on so that's a character that uh, is it musashi um miyamati musashi he himself does i watched the movie um a more modern um, musashi movie today and that happens in it not a ghost but someone who can't you know he does it for yeah. someone like a general you know um yeah yeah, incredibly, incredibly strong. In fact, I can see why you chose Volume Seven because it is very strong. So you've got the Gen story, you've got a series, a couple of supernatural stories, haven't you, in there? And you've got the Kitsune yeah. story as well. Kitsune, and then you've got at the end, you've got the last Eno story. That's which, right. Yeah, which, which is, is touching is as fuck. Yeah, yeah. brilliant. Because yeah. I mean, as a character, poor old Zato Eno, uh, a blind, blind pig swordsman who wanders through the land. Uh, using his incredible sense of smell to get by, but of course he's he's badgered and tormented by by people because he's he's blind and looks helpless and all that, and he just ends up lashing out because he just wants to be left alone, and yeah. uh, accidentally murders some some of the people who are tormenting him, and so he gets known as a, a local um, murderer. And when Usagi runs into him, they get on really well and they they wander along, you know, a couple of. Um, uh, vagabonds wandering along together and it's only later on when uh, Zatoino gets attacked again and a, um, a warrant for his arrest falls out of one of the uh, attackers right, um, okay. clothes because they, they've come for his bounty he realises that he's a wanted murderer and so Usagi's code of honour is like I need to turn you in so he then has to have a duel with this person who's who's been his friend and of course Zatoino just wants to be left in a life of peace yeah. and during that duel Usagi takes his nose off and right. uh, so so he's he's almost double blind you know he's not just blind in his eyes oh, he's man, lost yeah. his sense of smell so you feel even more sorry for this character <laughs> um and so Sagi's like well now you know you can't kill anybody anymore your 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 sword's skill is linked to your sense of smell well old Zatoino goes off and gets himself a wooden nose and <laughs> <laughs> then then uh, makes it his life mission to um to get revenge on Usagi and really you just think 
just just go and live peacefully you know yeah. leave this road of revenge behind so the uh the last zatoino story in that one is him finally you know being able to find his peace and settle down and just you know have a nice life it's a really touching yeah, and he's end. got himself a wife and he's, yeah. he's ill in bed isn't he and he doesn't really know who they are to start with and yeah yeah, yeah it is amazing the it's brilliant. I um I never watched the original Zatoichi movies, although I've I've caught up with, you know, odd bits here and there since. But I I didn't come across him until the um, Kitano Takeshi movie, which is just yeah. amazing. You know, it's just one of those yeah, yeah. those movies of um it just is inc- incredibly beautiful. You can watch without the you know without the subtitles or the sound on. It just works. Um, yeah, he makes he makes beautiful movies. Oh, uh, some of them yeah. completely bonkers, but yeah. He, oh yeah. Yeah, a lot of beauty in those films. They've always got the ocean in them. I, I read an interview with him. I'm a fan of like Violent Cop, and, you know these sort yeah. of movies that he did. And uh, he's quite the Renaissance. We're on a, off on a tangent, but um, <laughs> T- Takeshi's quite the. He's like a, a game show host, a comedian, a poet, a movie director, and actor. He's got one of these sort of Renaissance guys in Japan. You know, yeah. and he's just got a, ro- a face made of rock. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Definitely a character. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> good stuff man um is there any other little recommends you'd give for people who want to dive yeah. in i know? would recommend um anything like the the early volumes there's an awful lot of really good ninja stuff in there yeah I mean, I, and the I, ninja I, clans are slightly different aren't they there there's are. there's various versions of the clans but some of them are flying you've got the um the Komori ninja which are the bat clan right so yeah. they're, they're flying in from on high and they've got these cool razor blades down the edges of their wings you've got the nico ninja which are the cat ninjas yeah. which um sort of sneak through the forest and they're on the on the on the uh, land on the ground level and then you've got the mogura ninja which are the mole ninjas and they come up oh, from right. okay. the ground so they've got all <laughs> bases covered basically so you get it like in the um uh in grass cutter and yeah, um which is a famous one isn't it grass cutter is yeah, very well known grass, yeah all these all these characters kind of came together in grass cutter which was this big epic story based around uh, a legendary sword which comes yeah. into falls into usagi's hands so a lot of these characters from these other stories all came to a head in grass cutter which is a really really cool story also the um the dragon bellows conspiracy there's lots of ninja action oh, okay. as well um, and in one of the turtle stories as well, isn't there? There's um, they get ninjas in to fight ninjas, don't they? At one point, so they get the turtles in to fight them. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't remember which one it is. No, I, I think can't either. Because there's quite a few of the uh, turtles crossovers, which um, yeah, they span many years, don't they? They go from black and white into color and back again, and yeah, yeah, well, yeah that sort the of last thing. one they did for IDW, um, when the uh, there's a sort of rap. Uh, warlock when he summons the turtles yeah when they turn up they are they don't recognize usagi because obviously they're the idw turtles so yeah so they're the colored they look... headscarf ones but he'd also been with the original turtles which yeah. were the um sort of red bandanaed that's right underground comics kind of ones weren't they you know yeah yeah so there's, there's lots of nods to the continuity of, of both of the stories in there yeah don't forget they came from a frank miller comic I mean, technically, That's turtles right. were yeah, a, a yeah. spin-off from the the hand because they used to fight the foot. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and Splinter yeah. Uh, was a nod to stick. That's right. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Splinter off the stick. Yeah, I but remember I, those. I, I never got the first one. I think I got the third issue of Turtles, and I got that. They did like an artist edition thing a couple of years yeah. ago, 
of the first issue. It's incredible. I love the art in those early issues. It's so raw, yeah, you know. It is beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Peter Laird's um, penciling is so is lovely. His rendering, and then Kevin Eastman's edge of the way that Eastman would draw it just had a bit more angle and a bit more edge so when you put those two together you just get a fantastic um you do don't you yeah earthy earthy style of drawing it's fantastic another comment yeah another story i would really recommend is one called noodles now okay i've got a friend called noodles that's good (laughs) (laughs) it's one of those ones where you suddenly realize um the impact and the emotion that the, the, this cartoony way of storytelling can have. And it, it revolves around Kitsune and she, um, she normally wanders and entertains on her own. She's, she's out to look after herself. She gets by, by entertaining people on the street and, and nicking a, a purse here and there. Cause yeah. she's got to look after herself basically. And she reminds herself of that every time she steals something. Yeah, she, she does. Yeah. yeah. She's like, well, Girl's got to look after you... herself. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So when Usagi bumps into her and she's got herself a, a, a companion who's this large, um, sort of a, a bit bit slow, um, bumbling character called Noodles. And he makes really, really bad noodles. But she likes him because she's no, he, she knows he's got a, a good heart. Um, basically, as the story unfolds, there's a, a crime that happens in the, the town and Noodles gets brought forward as a scapegoat. Um, there's lots of uh, conniving and machinations behind the scenes and they yeah. put forward for him to be the one to take the punishment and poor old Noodles gets it but it's the way he gets it and the effect it has on Kitsune and okay. it's just you just turn the pages and you're like oh my god this is this is crazy I don't I don't want to say too much I must find this one away. yeah yeah yeah. But yeah. It's, um, yeah it's in uh, volume 10 of the dark horse the brink okay. of life and death which are all half price on comiXology as we speak there you go definitely recommend yeah definitely recommend. for me i'm going to recommend the new series man yeah it's it been, really good there's been a couple of high points for me one is the um the story where he goes back to his hometown which i think is handled yeah. really well yeah um, the, the homecoming ones I yeah it's called homecoming isn't oh, okay. it yeah when yeah, he, yeah he goes back and meets up with um mariko and kenichi from his original town i wonder if mariko's a nod to wolverine because that was the name of wolverine's long-standing partner it might be yeah maybe i know it's quite it's a yeah. common commonish name i suppose yeah okay it could be. yeah that's but a yeah. lovely story and and that's deals with honor and you know there's this he, he had this guy who was his sort of competition in the village and that sort of thing yeah. it's very well told and the other one i really enjoyed and it's kind of a little bit off the wall is the recent one about the werewolves um so he goes and finds a swords master in the in the forest and he fights off these these werewolves uh, a sort of clan um and it's finally a real threat for yusagi you like you really feel him hanging in the balance there it's, it's i think it's really good yeah there are moments when you know, he, he fights off a, a whole field full of, say, you know, 30 people with swords, but somebody will, will fling a rock and it will hit him in the head. Yeah, and it just yeah. makes you, it, you remember how how um, vulnerable he is as a yeah. character. You know, he knows how to, to parry a sword and, and deliver a killing He's silly blow, human, but, yeah, yeah. But a rock to the head, you know, it's going to bring anybody down. <laughs> yeah, I thoroughly recommend, man. I think, I think they are, there's never... The, outside well there's not a consistent story like this told for so many years it's it's intelligent yet very readable you know it 
often I often forget about it when people say what should I read and I think this is this should be a great book to recommend I think from anyone from sort of 12 upwards you know I think yeah. it's, it's it's a great yeah. little series um, and he's yeah. such a nice dude. He's such a nice dude. It's just, <laughs> yeah. I know everyone always says it, but having watched about four videos of him today, I think he's just a marvellous bloke. Yeah. It's amazing as well when you hear him talk, he makes it all seem so easy. Yeah. And the way he draws as well, his line art and the way that he, he uses a pen, it's, it's like he's writing, not drawing. Yeah. It's like he's got his, his visual language down to such an extent where he can just draw out a saggy as if he's signing his name. Yeah. So everything just flows so easily that when you get these really researched and, and deep stories in there as well, you just think, wow, you know, he's, he's a nice guy with an awesome drawing style that tells these incredible stories. Like there aren't that many people that have been able to do that for as long as he's done yeah. it consistently. Yeah. And he often, he, often, he often talks about how the main thing that he's interested in is, is yeah, comics as a discipline. So you've got to hit your, you've got to hit your deadlines yes. um, and oh, stuff yeah, like that, definitely. which I really, I think is marvellous. And he says the main thing that, um, is it short, but is it Erica Schultz, Barbara Schultz? I can't remember the name of his editor at Dark oh, Horse. Diana, Diana, Diana Schultz. Schultz, pardon me. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. And um, he said the main motivation for making Usagi was Diana Schultz because when she told me she wanted a deadline, I was so scared of her. I used to get it in yeah. on time. That's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff, man. What a brilliant... That was brilliant. I literally covered myself in Usagi and read it every day this week, so I must have read 30, 40 issues this week. Loved it, man. Absolutely brilliant. I'm always, yeah. always reminded of how great it is. And the thing is, you can just go back and read books. It's one of those series that is eminently rereadable, you know? Well, I, I when, um, when I'm not sort of writing or doing thumbnails or, or sketches and things in preparation for the next project or next badges um, i always pick up say three or four saggies to read on the train when i'm commuting yeah because his way of telling a story the way he paces and the the, the way he puts things yeah. on a page that's i always yeah, go back to remind great, myself yeah, really what is. i want to do and what i'm aiming for and also the way he draws as well he, because he keeps such a simple style and then can add all the complexity he wants because he knows that he can handle it because it's in a simplified style. Then he knows how long it will take him to do. Um, and he know he he's set his own sort of parameters within yeah. in what he does. And so when I'm, I was approaching what I wanted to do, it's like, okay, try and aim for a style that is simpler than because most artists want to sit down and render everything to look amazing. Yeah. But of course you've got to do that panel after panel after panel. And you've also got to be sure that what you're drawing is readable. Yeah. I agree, man. Completely is. And it's the much quoted on this show. Steve Dillon quote is if they're stopping to look at and be amazed at the art, you're not doing your job. Right. And I think there's no point in this where I've had to stop and go, where am I again? Where where, where are these people? It just flows so incredibly well, you know, yeah, it's great stuff. Well, let's talk a little bit about you, babes. Let's talk about some badges. I okay. I previously had your books as digital only, and I've got to say it maybe because you sent them through to us when you had one when we had you on the show. So I'd never yeah. actually yeah. felt the weight of these books. So um, I have to say, book six is the recent one. Um, yeah, is that like three times longer than the previous? <laughs> yeah, it seems to be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it like um, going quick skip back to usagi there was yeah i knew what i was leading up to in that story okay and i knew that the 
I knew that book six might be a bit longer, but when I started to sit down and plot it all out and I knew there were bits where I wanted to, I wanted it to breathe. I wanted it to have space yeah. for things to have impact. So my thumbnails, I, I just started to add extra panels and extra little um, moments. It's got a bit longer. So in the end, I was like, okay, this is actually going to be a double-sized issue. And I've always yeah. said I want it to be six issues. So I'm not going to turn around and suddenly say, <laughs> actually, guys, it's going to be seven. This is so big, so- I'm surprised you got the staples in it, dude. I've got to tell you. I say, <laughs> Did you want to give? Um, do you want to give like the listeners who haven't, um, the stupid listeners who haven't had the benefit of reading your books, just a little a little summary of what Beast Hunting Battle Badgers is about? Okay, well, Beast Hunting Battle Badgers is the story of Flint and Laird, who are two young badgers from the um, Brockville tribe. What a weird the choice rest, of name that is. Yeah, <laughs> the rest the rest <laughs> of their tribe have been captured um, by a mysterious moon mystic creature. Uh, he's absorbed the rest of the tribe into a magic belt, which he wears on his waist and has disappeared off into the wild. So Flint and Laird uh, are the only two who weren't absorbed. They managed to um, avoid the magic and are now set off to try and find this creature and free the rest of their tribe from this um, magic belt. And uh, along the way, in order to feed themselves, they have to um, sort out and bash up big beasties and things to, yeah. to get a bit of coin. Yeah, they're almost um, muscle for hire to fight dragons, aren't they? In a way, I suppose. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're an absolutely lovely design, man. I love I love reading them. They're um, I can see the nods to turtles, but I, the, there's moments in it that it is completely Stan Sakai um, style of storytelling. There's even the bit. Oh, let's not ruin it. The bit at the end of the issue six where somebody meets someone else again right that's yes. I, I just love that touch it's like oh hang on a minute i've got something to do it's that you know it's brilliant yeah yeah it's uh i mean that going back to um usagi when he meets up with somebody like kitsune or he meets up again with mariko or tomoe um it, it's just that you want them to get together you know yeah. you want you want you do something. don't you yeah yeah you want that spark to happen and um, I sort of thought, well, yeah, I'm going to have that in mind. I'm not yeah. going to say either way what happens. But no, I'm me neither. Say. Yeah, let's not ruin it. <laughs> nice buns. But the, um, yeah, so it's 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 funny. It's fun. It's There's a fantasy element to it as well for people who haven't read it, but it's also anthropomorphic. So in it, everyone is a creature of some kind, you know, yeah. whether it be a mystical creature or not. It's like. One of the main characters is a tortoise. Um, you've got badgers, cats, you know, you name it. There's a, rhino, a little nod to the odd rhino as well, which I like. Yeah, you know? yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> uh, for years I've worked on um, on a series of books called Beast Quest. Oh, I which... remember you saying about this to um, Damien on his podcast. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm on about book 140 of that. So people <laughs> say to me, like, are you ever going to draw human characters? It's like, well, I've, I've got 140 books of them in in beast quest so yeah i get you i always yeah. wanted to do something um more cartoony more anthropomorphic because that's what i love with turtles and asagi and things like that so i just thought okay i want to do my own one of those yeah so i mean one day who knows maybe there there could be human characters in in the badger world but at the moment it's, <laughs> it's quite nicely tripping along without them <laughs> yeah. badgers are great as well and coming from the west country it's got to be well, exactly. it's got to be a favorite yeah. of yours isn't it yeah yeah definitely and and people like 
to most you know artists and creatives people say well where do you get your your ideas from and and it's usually from all the things you've absorbed growing up so for me it's it's things like asterix and obelix yeah um, i can see that that, yeah dungeons and dragons um things like usagi and and turtles and all that so it's just get all those things that you've got a real passion for squeeze them into and mold them into the shape of something and see what comes out on the page and i and i could see what i wanted to do there's some sketches i've got old sketches of these two characters that are a bit more you know one's sort of short and one's big right they're a bit more of a of an asterisk sort of rip off and i could see what i was trying to do and it wasn't until yeah. i got the shapes of the badgers um that i was like yes the, these are exactly what i need to apply all those things that i want to channel into <laughs> these characters are exactly what i wanted i always think of them a bit like um who's that cricket player botham they remind me a bit of botham he's a bit he's a bit lardy but he could probably give you a lump do you know what i mean it's well, like that you know yeah i i sort of see him as as a couple of samo hungs oh yeah like that yeah 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 <laughs> i all in fact in my little in my sketchbook and in, in one of the sketchbooks for the collected um volume of the kickstarter which should be coming up soon yeah we'll talk um, about that in a there's, yeah there's a sketch page of of them both sort of doing their different fight moves just uh me planning out you know like kicks and flying kicks and things uh, okay and, I, yeah. and, and at that point it's like i want them to be like sam O'Hung, that sort of podgy guy who it's not until he starts moving that you realize you fucking know, hell sam can give it some is he what's yeah, that hit man yeah. movie he's in like fucking hell he can move yeah, oh, yeah. god uh, I mean, I remember going back to things like um, Encounters of the Spooky Kind. Or and Enter the Fat Dragon. That's another Enter one, the it? Fat Dragon, Pedicab Driver. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's just incredible. Yeah, Actually, he is really good. And, and him with, with Yun Biao and Jackie Chan, the three of them. Yeah. You know, when they'd kick off, just like the yeah. way they would move. And, and you'd see him and you'd think, he shouldn't be able to move like those little guys because he's got this massive gut in the way. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's not forget, he was the guy Bruce Lee fights at the start of Into the Dragon, isn't That's he? That's right. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. The um, <laughs> I, I put this on Twitter today um, as I was sort of, you know, I'm one of these people who just thinks something so puts it on Twitter. And um, one of the things I put was, I'm absolutely flabbergasted that nobody has picked these books up. Have you Have you pitched them to anyone, dude? Or? I haven't. No. 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 See, the thing is, like, with... Um... With personal projects, they take so much energy, so much sort of yeah. internal fire to get them created. You know, it's it's doing bits on the train on the way home, and then yeah. when you get home, maybe a bit before bed, and then you get up a couple of hours before you've got to catch your train in the morning to do it then. And it's all those extra hours in the gaps, you know, like yeah. making time for it. That uh, I love doing it, but there are times when you – you feel a bit like, God, I'm knackered today. But still, you know, go on and carry on, do the next bit because you ultimately are aiming for when it's created. Yeah. So along that path, I personally think you've got to be wary of things which might throw a spanner in the works. Okay. It's very easy to get knocked back and think, oh, what's the point? Why Why am I doing it? And re- the reason why you're doing it is because you love doing it and you want to create something. So my um, my way of seeing it is always like get it created to the best that you can and then throw it out there because even if you know officially like publishers and that say it's not what we want or it looks a bit amateur or this is rubbish we haven't done that right you've ultimately got what you wanted to create anyway you fall back on the product itself and think yeah you're, you're right it is rough around the edges but 
but I think yeah I agree I man I think at first at first I don't agree with you that it's rough around the edges I don't think it's all I think it's of everything in the what is loosely called the smallest press scene in the UK this is the one of the one books that I think should be under a boom or a dark horse but then again you're right you're right to concentrate on the um the art of it that's the point of it isn't it do you know what I mean and well, if think- you if you and I or any one of us was under a under a publisher who's you've got the editor ringing you every five minutes it may not be as fun either you know well it comes back to stan as well as a massive influence yeah. and eastman and laird eastman and laird did their own thing and they created the turtles which was hugely popular because it seemed so organic it seemed yeah. from those two guys who just had this crazy idea that loved martial arts and ninja movies and things and they did what they wanted to do and yeah it is it's got its you know, it's rough around the edges here and there, but that's what people like about it. And with Stan, Stan says himself, he doesn't get um, any input on what he does. Yeah, he, he has an editor, but issues. they don't shape his story or anything like that. I think yeah, they, no. they're more like they funnel him through to, to, to printing and stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. he he writes the story, gives them a rough idea what he's going to do, but the next thing they see is the finished issue. Yeah, And it's been that way through his whole career. As long as he gets it in on time, they look at what he does and they see the strength is in the fact that he knows what he wants to create and he does it. Yeah. And so that's part of that's a big influence for me. It's just like, well, it may not be perfect, but if you aim towards what you want to do, what will pop out at the end will probably be the strongest thing you can. Yeah, I agree, man. And yeah, the 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 vision of one person or a couple of people is always going to be much better than a corporate vision. Oh, there's any two ways yeah. about it. And I think I'm the same. If anyone ever came to me and Adam and went, Atomic Hercules, maybe we could set him in a, you know, maybe he could live in East London. We go, fuck off. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Good. Now, you were saying, just hinting there, um, you're going to kickstart a collection which will be i'm double dipping on that dude i got to hear so what's the plans around that well it's gonna be a um hardback uh roughly a4 size about 250 page big collection of all six books with um extra uh sketches and behind the scenes making of stuff and i'm hoping to get a little color gallery of some of the covers and things in the back nice um so i'm putting all that together at the moment um i'm bothering all the people i can say how does this kickstarter work what's this all about (laughs) set up a pre-order set up the uh, the pre-notification then you know what you're doing i've got to say that's something we've started doing now so you can register to be notified when it goes live and if you've got 100 people registered you know you're going to be right you know it's like that you know okay cool i'll put that one up write that one on i've got this my um i got a a picture on the wall around the frame i've got loads of little sticky notes of postage (laughs) and and this and that and and they say this and 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 so i I was about half past six this morning i was putting extra bits into the promotional video and adding it and there's so much to do and it's but it's all slowly coming together and i think at the current rate i think probably about uh, mid-july is when it will go live bro so um yeah well, it sounds sharp. like you're well prepared dude so i mean you've already finished the art and story so that's pretty good yeah you know? well that's one thing i always wanted to do was make sure everything's done so all i need to do is say to people 
this is what it's going to be. We just need to press the print button. Yeah, so you when the money lands two weeks after it ends, you can just send to print. I think it's ideal. Yeah. That's the way we do it, actually, dude. The only thing you have to consider is the stretch goals thing as extra. But I have to say, a nice um, a nice video commentary of you drawing something is a nice, inexpensive stretch goal, by the way. <laughs> so, right, okay. <laughs> a stretch goal. Something we've yeah, used. Yeah, Because yeah. sometimes yeah. you're all prepared for the success of it, and we end up doing a couple of, like, web web stories you know we did a couple of like online stories only which will will eventually get into a collection at some point and stuff like that you know yeah i think with 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 the stretch stretch goal stuff i'm i've always sort of felt it was just like people saying now and give us some more money give us more money but the more i look into it i think it's more a case of if you get more money you can do bigger better things yeah so, i think it's like because i think when you start i say a month You've only got that whole um, thing to do where you say, buy this book. But when you yeah. halfway through the month, you might say, well, buy this book. And if you do that, you'll get this extra short story or you'll get this video. Or you'll get these badges or something. And, and it gives you an yeah. extra little bump to get people on board, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's I, worth I've it. got to look into all also this Also a pain in the ass. I've got to tell you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Me and Adam always phone each other and go, fucking hell, well, we made that. What are we going to do for a stretch goal now? And you, every time we do it, we go, let's not do stretch goals. And then we do one. You know, that's right. how it works. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've got, um, I will be including um, sort of stickers and extra bits. And I've oh, cool. got some, because I, I usually sell badges on my table, but I've I've got some actual, you know, like sort of molded enamel oh, badges. Oh, nice. Heads. They're the hotness. Badges. People love them. Be, yeah. They're going to be like Kickstarter exclusives. I've got a certain amount of those done and they will be just for people that, you know, like the first, say, 150 That's or whatever. That's a good idea. Jump yeah. On. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we'll the, see how it it's goes. The first, it's the first 48 hours or so and the last 48 hours or so of a Kickstarter. Right. That's where you make your, you make your bones. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. What? So, uh, so I'm looking forward to that, man. So, we're looking mid July, did you say for that? Yeah. Mid, mid hoping for mid July, maybe later we shall see but i will okay. definitely be shouting out about it yeah definitely we'll give it a shout and um what's so what will follow on from that what will be the next thing for you oh gosh well um once i've got all those books printed and sent out and i'm, I'm sat there with my finished the new, the new roller just... you know the uh <laughs> oh, the brightling watch <laughs> Oh god, I, I could dream of that, but no, for me, having that collected book and it there in front of me, be like, right, okay, I I got here. It will then be uh, taking a big breath and starting to thumbnail up book seven or. Oh, so it'll know, be back to the badges but, again. Yeah, I yeah. I just I love them. I mean, I, I yeah, they're great, man. I think they're I've brilliant done, characters. Yeah. When I started doing self-publishing in two thousand eight, is when I started to do my own, you know, right. little comics and stories and they did ones like about giant sort of Godzilla type monsters and, nice. and one based on old folklore and a few little bits and bobs and I always wanted a character that I could run with and tell a longer story with but I yeah. knew it was further down the road once I'd got these one shots out of the way the first one I did was like a silent movie it was just the imagery right and I, one one day I'll pluck up the courage to actually write something um and when I with the badges you know like people say once you've found the voice of, of characters, then, you know, you, you're, you're pretty much there. It's, it's like know, an old pair of shoes. You can just see yeah. it and then you know what they're going to say. And exactly. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. yeah. So once I had these characters and I knew the, the way they spoke, because it's just like, you know, me and me and my mates bantering type thing, Yeah. It, it all just came so easily 
the the only hard bit was the time it takes to get it down on the page and trying to squeeze it in here and here and there but with with these characters and this world and i i know there's so much more i want to tell and you know like i've got so much more to put in and you know to reveal through the stories yeah i could just carry on and do you know another three or four graphic novels it's just finding the time to do it's it good. but I, that's that's what i love man that's that why i love savage dragon that's why i love your book that's why i love yusagi you know these people who it's about that that vision you know um even yeah. even pro even um spawn you know what i mean let's count him in you know it's well, not exactly it's, the same but <laughs> it's so tricky because when you when you're doing your own story you come up with all these ideas and the temptation is to put it into that first issue right but essentially the first issue would essentially just be you know almost like a, a cerebus level like whole pages of text to <laughs> relate yeah. to you the world that you're about to read about you get to the end of the book and then there'll be one page of, of comic so you have to think no okay you've got all that but put it to one side and start a story that is slowly unfolding and adding elements of that rather than sticking yeah. it all in at the start because you, you'll be trying to run before you can walk you know yeah definitely yeah so i think you know now now with the um the first sort of story arc and the six books are done i think the characters are, are walking and walking at a pace so now i could go into the next story where they start to run and you know let it unfold yeah. from there really yeah yeah definitely no good stuff man and there's time down the road for you to go and work with someone and do 40 your version of 47 ronin or something you know there's loads of time for that just settle into this one it's your own work you can be happy with it and uh yeah yeah agree, yeah well i mean you never know what's going to happen in the future and, and yeah you know you might come and knock in and things like that but for me the the goal has always been to just get into that rhythm that sort of stan sakai rhythm of you've got your characters you tell your stories and they, they slowly come out and unfold and you just build up a following, you know, I, yeah, I get you. I've never yeah, really totally. had a, I never had a huge urge to draw Batman or X-Men or anything like that. You know, it's always been more about the personal stories and the personal characters and things. Brilliant, man. Excellent. <laughs> Good. Look at that. We said, what did we say? Let's try and do an hour. Yeah. <laughs> I knew this would happen. You warned me. <laughs> the, uh, so Steve, where can people find your books? Where can they find you online? Okay, well, um, there's uh, Battle Badgers on Twitter, which I think is at Battle Badgers. There's a Beast Hunting Battle Badgers Facebook page cool. um, on Instagram with um, Battle Badgers. And there's the Beast Hunting Battle Badgers website, which is battlebadgers.co.uk. And on there <laughs> is a link to um, my, my blog and my social media sites. There's also a link to the Etsy page where you can pick up the single issues. Um, I think that's a about it gosh there's, there's so many social media things nowadays to keep on top of but, yeah um, i know what you mean man but that's good that's where i got it it uh i bought i bought the hard copies and they arrived within a few days so good stuff man and uh absolutely brilliant and we'll be shouting on the acp i'm sure about the uh just let us know when it's due to drop and uh, we'll give awesome. it we'll give it a shout definitely man but you're, you're a fool not to pick so this book up yeah it's going to be a nice thick thick trade as well isn't it there's quite a few pages there it know. is yeah yeah it definitely is like um the the biggest downside with a Kickstarter is just going to be the postage, but that's oh, yeah, everything that's nowadays, isn't it? You know, yeah, if yeah. you've got a, a big product like that, it's going to cost quite a bit to post. But I'm going to try and keep that down to the 
as much as I can. Yeah, don't go with backer kit, whatever the grief is around that rubbish. But yeah, good stuff, man. And that's brilliant. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for coming on, man. That was an absolute pleasure. We've been talking about, you and I have been talking about this sort of thing for a long time, and I'm glad you came. You said, oh, let's do this book, because it's been an absolute joy to read this and reread your books as well. So from my flown by, hasn't hasn't it? it just? It really has. Yeah. Yeah, it really has. So from myself, Steve, Brian, and Pascal, we'll see you next week. (laughs) Cheers, man. Cheers.